You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. Hello everyone and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons and Dragons. We're your hosts, Lewin Markell, Taylor Stanfield, and I'm Travis Peasley. So, it's been, it's been a, a while. It's it been a while. Hi. How long has it been since we've been in here? I, I, uh, I don't know. Has it been about two, uh, two months? Probably. Months? Two or three months? Two or three months, yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, like so apologies in advance if this is kind of rusty. Yeah, and we're also incredibly sorry about the um, yeah the hiatus. The... It wasn't quite as long as it was intended, and it just kept getting longer. And then you mean it was longer? Than it intended? was longer or, than intended. That's what I meant to say. Yes, it was. It was longer than intended, and um, we didn't yeah. intend for it to go on this long. And just things just kept happening. And yeah. So <laughs> as it happens, things happen. <laughs> Uh, yes, but we are we are back now. Um, we, we actually I know we we touched on it briefly, but uh, I feel like I should really address why I had to take a sabbatical because uh, I'm addicted to Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep, that's yeah, that's exactly so, it. That's yeah, the reason. that's literally that's exactly it. Um, no other reason. Uh, <laughs> you know, nothing nothing happened in that time period except that I played a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen, which I did. I'm in the server fan for it. Um if anyone wants to do some dungeons with me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, no uh, other reason. No no other reason. But um I have been playing a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen. Uh that's not a joke. Uh and it kind of sort of inspired uh the the research for today's topic um which is bahamut Ooh, yeah we're finally gonna complete the dragony trilogy Mm -hmm. which some time ago until i researched gem dragons i didn't know was a trilogy because i didn't know that sardior existed oh yeah (laughs) but i mean to be fair he's never been elevated to the same level as tiamat and bahamut which we'll talk about today um, but yeah, we're going to talk about Bahamut, the Platinum Dragon, <laughs> the brother of Tiamat, the king of the good dragons. The Finally. son of... Io? Io. Yes. I was going to... Uh, Asgareth also. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. I, yeah, that's still a... Yeah. Yeah. Still a thing. Still a choice. Yeah. Um. So, as with many other things in Dungeons & Dragons, uh, Bahamut takes his inspiration... From real world mythology. What? Not in Dungeons and Dragons. Never. That never happens. So the. (laughs) (laughs) Great. It's fine. Right. What I I say about about, about Rusty. So uh, Bahamut was named after an important figure from the cosmography. The Wonders of Creation by Zakaria al-Kazwini. A Persian philosopher, physician, astronomer, 
general renaissance man uh, who lived from about 1203 to 1283 A.D. So, Sick. while ago. So he's kind of that, like, um, Dude's you know. Dude's got a lot of titles going for him. He, well, he you, you know how it was back in that time. Yeah. You had to you be know? good at everything. Yeah, like, it's like, you were nobody. Right? <laughs> it's like, fuck it, you're a doctor. Why don't you be an astronomer, too? And if you're going to think about the stars, why don't you think about the universe? Be a philosopher. You know, like it was pre-Renaissance, but I would say he seemed kind of like a He was an early Renaissance man. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the Bahamut in Al-Kazwini's work was a great fish or whale, depends oh. on who you ask, um, who was suspended in water. And upon his back, he carried a beast of burden, most commonly a bull or an ox named Kuyutha. Remember that name? Uh, who carried a gemstone slab on his back. Upon which an angel who shoulders the world stands. So it was like a... Good lord. Backs all the way down. Yeah, it was like a turtles all the way down kind of thing, except it was a fish and then an ox and then an angel, you know. But that's what our cosmography looked like, according to Al Coswini, which I think I'm pronouncing right. I googled it, but that was like a week ago. So Um, Bahamut is described in this... Not this text, actually, but... Bahamut is described as so large that, quote, the seas of the world placed in one of the fish's nostrils would be like a mustard seed laid in the desert. Damn. Which is a good quote. Um, That That is a beautiful quote, actually. It's from uh, Arabian Society in the Middle Ages, Studies from the Thousand and One Nights by Edward William Lane. Um, And I believe that that segment was translated from the works of Ibn Esh Shinay. So... Jesus. Thank you for that verb for that beautiful verbiage. Yes. So the name Bahamut is thought to derive from the biblical behemoth. That How- makes sense. However, the behemoth in the Bible never appears as a fish. So there's dispute as to how the two could be related. Some theorize that this is a gradual change over time in the Islamic oral tradition, while some theorize that a mistranslation could have ended up with the two being flipped, aka assigning behemoth to the aquatic creature and leviathan to the bull, which is how we yeah. know, ended up with this, you know, guy whose name starts with B, but he's an aquatic creature. Cause it's like you know, his name is slightly different here and there. Yeah, but it definitely Yeah, it's the same guy. Yeah. So fish guy, I guess. Just because I'm not knowledgeable of this, what is the biblical behemoth? Um, um it was sort of this gigantic like bull, land beast. Land beast, yeah, kind of. Um, it was one of the that was one of the things running around in the book of Revelations, right? It was the uh no, it was actually um a in the book of Job. Cool. That means nothing to me. Very early it it's new te- er, sorry, it's old testament, so it's also reflected in the Jewish Torah. Oh, okay, got it. Um and it's a Primeval chaos monster, basically, defeated by God at the beginning of creation. Oh. Um, it's kind of... Damn. Basically, the word kind of is theorized to, uh, to originate from this uh, Egyptian word for water ox. Huh. Yeah. Okay, well, that also adds another layer into this, too. Yeah. Yeah, um, okay. But kind of as it were, as it was for um, Tiamat many, many episodes ago... Um, there is some dispute in kind of various anthropological historical societies as to how this attribution happened or what it means right. or whatever. But point is, 
fish guy, Bahamut, you know. Yeah. Um, so many works after the Wonders of Creation feature Bahamut and the cosmology he's related to, um, particularly some that describe Bahamut and Kiyutha having dominion over the tides and earthquakes, which is very like the um, the Japanese legends about the catfish that yeah. causes earthquakes and stuff that lives underground, which is apparently not a comparison that only I noticed. Because I said that when I was reading the Wikipedia entry for, like, real-world Bahamut. And then I was like, oh, that sounds like the Japanese catfish. And then lo and behold. And then under that, it was like, this is not unlike the, uh, I forget what it's called. The Japanese catfish that we can't remember the name of either. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, wow, I I felt really smart. So, I I don't know if this surprises anybody, um, but... Especially because I feel like a lot of the conventions and foundations come in later um, installments. But Bahamut did actually appear in the first Final Fantasy game. Wait. Um, (laughs) We're not talking about Final Fantasy. So Bahamut first appears in Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) Stupid. Didn't land. So Bahamut first appears in Dungeons and Dragons as neither a fish or a beast, but instead as the Platinum Dragon or the Dragon King. In the supplement Greyhawk, which was published in 1975. Ooh, Greyhawk. Um, I'm going to read you his entire description. Are you ready? Um, uh, yes. Quote, the platinum dragon dwells in a great palace behind the east wind, although he may appear in more mundane places at times. He may shape change freely, although none of the other ninth level spells are usable by him. The Dragon King is served by a guard of seven gold dragons. His primary aim is to confront and defeat the ruler and hosts of the chaotic dragons. End quote. <laughs> That's literally it. They do not. I love it. They do not refer to him by name as Bahamut. He's referred to exclusively mm-hmm. as the Platinum Dragon or the King of uh, Good Dragons mm-hmm. or the Dragon King. Weird. And can I say, being uh, served by seven gold dragons as like his guard? Pretty cool. Damn. Yeah, we'll talk more about them later. Yay. Um, But he is not, similarly to Tiamat, who was not referred to by name in Greyhawk either, she was referred to as the Dragon Queen, um, and I think like the Queen of Evil Dragons or something like that, or the Chromatic Dragon. Um, Neither of them are referred to by name in Greyhawk. So this is, he's the Platinum Dragon. Um, Obviously, it's very clearly the same person, but. Right. So he had 21 hit dice, an AC of negative three, which we're not going to talk about numbers too, too many times because there's... <laughs> there's too many. There's <laughs> yeah, and um, Thacko. Thacko yeah, and Thacko. Uh, yeah, so uh, he had 21 hit dice, negative 3 AC, and had access to breath weapons of cold, gaseous form, and disintegrate. <laughs> nice. <laughs> With Beautiful. particular note that the, um, the gaseous form breath weapon was like a vapor... Right. And that the disintegrate um, for this time was like a roar, but it was still like cl- classified as a breath weapon for like uses per day kind of thing. Um, so interestingly, Greyhawk seems to have introduced every variety of metallic dragon sans gold dragons who were introduced in the like base, like base set. Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, it was all the chromatic colors of dragons. No Tiamat, no Bahamut. Um, and gold dragons. So gold dragons were like the one kind of good metallic dragon. Okay. Um, so Tiamat, Bahamut, and I believe all metallic dragons besides gold dragons were introduced in Greyhawk. And in this, Bahamut is referred to as the king of both lawful and neutral dragons. In mm. another show of disrespect to Sardior. 
I mean, Sardir didn't exist yet, but you know. But the the disrespect for my boy is too <laughs> this, much. This was uh, this was pre Sardir. Well, yeah, post Sardior doesn't get any better though for no. him. No, it didn't. <laughs> Rest in peace, Sardior. So uh, we're going to move on to Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, the Platinum Dragon appears in the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Monster Manual, which was published in 1977, and he is referred to as Bahamut for the first time. Yay. He has a name. He has been given a name. He has been given a name. The we- man has a name. Finally, we don't just have to refer to him by his title. So, um, his alignment is also set for the first time at Lawful Good, seeing as it did not exist in... Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> in, um, not Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, um, original Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, the yeah. white box set. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. that was all very, like... Mm-hmm. Still being flushed out. Yeah, yeah, minimal as far as... That kind of thing. That kind of stuff went. But yeah, um, so he is now Lawful Good, and spoiler alert, this literally never changes. <laughs> Iron iron or platinum clad, if you will, lawful good, the whole (laughs) series, believe it or not. Also, for more disclaimer, sorry if you can hear cats. Oh, yeah. They're not very happy that we are... Doing this again? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lilith, again, Hades, this is the first time we have locked him out of... The room. The room. A room, so... We'll see how, how he feels about it, but Lilith is not a fan. Lilith hates it. Yeah. Per usual. Yeah. So um, he has his same breath weapon, which he can use twice a day per type. So six uses of breath total, uh, two cold, two disintegrate, etc. Right. Um, it wasn't detailed in Greyhawk uh, at all, because like I said, I basically read his entire description. So right. it uh, was not detailed. Um, his gaseous form breath weapon transforms any targets who do not save into a gaseous form for 12 turns, and he can disintegrate up to 150 hit points. God damn. Jesus. Also, <laughs> why would you want to turn them into a gaseous form? I mean, they can't do anything. But you can't do anything to them either. Well, Bahamut is not a... Yeah, he he's, he's not, not a, a murdery type. Oh, that's that's right. Yeah, he's a he is literally the... Paladin. He is the paladin. Like, like probably the only person he wouldn't turn into a gaseous form and like avoid killing is his sister. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Like he's. I suppose that could be used tactically. Like for a group of people, you could turn them into a gaseous form to get them in somewhere. True. That too, and you know, like it, it would stop them. Big old tube to suck them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then he just blow them away with his wings. Oh, I was going to say with his breath. (sighs) Or that, that too. And then he accidentally, you know, kills him because the cold breath weapon. And he's like, oh no. Oh no, I didn't mean to. Oh no, now I have to take one one step away from lawful good and I'm still very firmly in the corner Mm. of that circle. Or of that corner of that circle. Wow, corner of that box. Do we need to go through uh, basic geometry again here? No, I think I need to go back to kindergarten with that one. (laughs) Um, So... Um, all saves against his breath weapons have a negative three imposed upon them, uh, because fuck you. Yep. It yep. literally said because Bahamut is so powerful, basically. Uh, he can employ spells up to level seven, two of which are magic user and one of which are clerical per level per day. So basically each day he can cast 21 spells in total, 14 magic user, seven cleric. Damn. Up to level seven. Goddamn. Um, he also has books for all existing spells of those levels. Which is hilarious because he is 72 feet long. So I'm just imagining the 72 foot long dragon god just reading a normal sized book. 
Like, I'm sure. I love See, it. I was picturing the opposite. Like, he's 72 feet long, so the books are, like, 50 feet. Well, that's what, I mean, I'm sure, like, he's a very powerful figure. I'm sure he has, like, a scribe. Probably. Who, like, writes in these giant-ass, like, spell books, but I'm also just imagining him reading, like, a Just a tiny, tiny little one. book. Just a tiny little book. Oh, my God. Like, when you make those, like, little, little like, miniature, mm-hmm. like, you paint the little miniature books. Yeah. Or, like, um... I've made tons of miniature yeah, books. Yeah, or, like, the ones that people have for, like, dollhouses that are, like, actual real little books. Yeah. But it's just a big, big guy. Um, so, Bahamut's Palace, quote, behind the east wind, unquote is a mysterious place. It's unknown whether it's on the elemental plane of air or between it and the seven heavens and triparadises. Uh, so it's unknown to everybody except to Bahamut and his court in uh-huh. common Dungeons and Dragons position or um, in common Dungeons and Dragons like tradition. It's a... Uh, Shrouded in mystery. Ah, you, know. you don't yep. say. <laughs> also, how do you get behind the wind? I don't know. <laughs> It's a mystery. Um, so using his ability to shape change, Bahamut often appears in a human guise to walk the earth. Uh, a particular sage, uh, whose account is going to become very popular, uh, spoke of an encounter with Bahamut disguised as an old man flanked by seven sweet-voiced canaries. The sage states that he would have had no idea of the man's true identity if a group of ogres and trolls hadn't happened upon them and attacked him. Oh, my. Which I'm assuming he then reverted back to his well, big form and ate them. Well, that's where that kind of, like, leaves off, so we don't really know. Oh. But you can use your imagination. <laughs> exactly, well, yeah. That's my imagination right there. Your imagination. <laughs> it's just that, like, suddenly there's Bahamut in his full glory and seven gold dragons in the sage. It's just like, whoa! What the fuck? He just sighs and is like, hang on a second. <laughs> I gotta start writing this down. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Right. So in Dragon Magazine, issue 38, in the article Rearranging and Redefining the Mighty Dragon by Leonard Lakofka, which was published in 1980, uh, it suggested that Bahamut and Tiamat uh, should be elevated to the rank of deity. Because previously, he was just a special, very strong, high-level dragon. But he wasn't described in any way as a deity or whatever. Um, So... Bahamut is referred to, in addition to his other titles, he has a lot of titles, as the Angel of the Seven Heavens, which I cannot take seriously because it just makes me think of that bad... Seventh Heaven. That was a bad soap opera, right? Kind of, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was... I, I thought so. Yeah, I don't know if it's technically considered a soap opera, but... That's I, what it I, definitely had soap opera elements. It was yeah. definitely like a drama. That's how I viewed it in my brain as like a kid. Like, I thought it was, like, a soap opera. Like, I know seven is, like, a holy number, because Jesus, I don't know. No. No? No. I know seven's, like, a holy number or whatever, but it's just, like, seven heaven and the fact that it rhymes, it just sounds a little silly On the to nose. Me. Yeah, it sounds a little silly in general, and also, like, it reminds me of that show. So, apparently, it falls under comedy, drama, family, and romance. Ooh. We'll and talk- it went... Up until 2007? Good God. Oh, dang. Seventh Heaven, 2007. It's all coming the together. The cycle goes deeper. I don't know. So uh, we'll talk about romance <laughs> later also. Um, so expansions are given on the powers attributed to him in the Monster Manual, as well as some new powers. Because he didn't need any more. No. Um, or because he needed more, rather. Yes, I knew what you meant. He didn't, but we're going to joke that he did. So these include at-will abilities of Infravision, 
ultravision, detect invisible, no alignment, limited wish, and teleportation, no failure. <laughs> I th- okay, I know it said n- no alignment, like for him to know <laughs> alignment, but I just de- definitely just thought it was meaning like, oh, it's a power where you have no alignment. Um, yeah, it's actually, it sends you forward into the future, like 20-something years, where you play oh, a fourth God. edition, and, uh, ooh, and you just have a bad time. It's a weird spell. I also, like it. teleportation with no failure chance. Yeah, he just teleport with, and that that's that's a theme, honestly. Like that's a power of his in most other iterations I mean, of him. He where definitely he's... already seemed like a god before, but yeah, I mean that's a so now. pretty much every iteration of him later where he is like very firmly a deity. He has access to no failure teleportation. Um, he also has Good improved, right? He also has improved magic resistance. Previously, he had normal magic resistance, so. In this, he has 80% magic resistance on the Prime Material Plane, 110% magic resistance in the Triparadises, and 130% in the Seven Heavens. Fuck Viewer you. or listeners, you can't see me, but I'm just shaking my head. <laughs> right? Like, you're not using magic on him. No, he's gonna be unaffected. Also, what did you do to be fighting the king of the seven heavens? I mean, you did bad things. Yeah, you did bad things. I'm sorry, the angel of the seven heavens. Yeah, you know, I just King, King of Dragons, the King, of, King Dragons. of Dragons, Angel of the Seven Heavens, uh, Platinum Dragon, Breaker of Chains. Um, so, uh, in addition- wait a minute, one of those is a little different. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, uh, in addition to that, the magic resistance, um, the real godlike thing, the ability to grant spells to his clergy. Which mm-hmm. he only accepted lawful good clergy because Bahamut is a hall monitor. This is the king of the hall monitors, <laughs> right here. I can tell the platinum hall monitor, the most powerful hall monitor. So uh, he has clergy now; they're all lawful good, and he can also summon his court of gold dragons astrally to him in one round. So if he's Holy in trouble, shit. just like. And suddenly all of his pals are there. He, I, I believe in every edition going forward, he is always flanked by at least seven of these gold dragons. Cool. Like, he always cool. has cool. his little cool. posse. Cool. Um, so, as a deity, Bahamut is said to often travel the world disguised as a human to help the cause of lawful good. Um, even if not strongly lawful, he will help a party of, like, player characters uh, who have no evil line characters and are predominantly good. Okay, so the whole party doesn't have to be good. For... They just can't be evil, and it has to be, like, mostly good. Right, like six Three, out of seven. Or, yeah, right. or even, like... Maybe just five out of seven. Yeah, you know, three out of three out of four. So he will only assist in opposing a strictly evil foe, uh, so he will not help the party with any of their personal issues, if you will, personal vengeance, you know... That kind of thing. How dare he? (laughs) Right. As well, unless a deity-ranked evil force is involved, he will only help by providing information or items as opposed to directly. And that's a theme. Bahamut is kind of... Hands-off. Kind of hands-off. It's a little... He's hands-off in, I think, a different way than some Dungeons & Dragons gods sometimes are. Um, give you, like, knowledge and... Yeah. Like, the... Items to defeat the evil, fight the evil, but he won't go and fight. Typically, with do you. it himself. Yeah. A, a particular note that I thought was interesting was that he will often sell the party an item necessary in their effort against evil for double the market price. 
and is rude and is strictly opposed to any form of haggling. I mean, he is still a dragon. Uh, yeah, that's what I was getting at. Is he's so. still a dragon. Uh, he Fair. might also contact the party sometime after asking to buy the item back for the normal price. <laughs> Bitch! <laughs> That's rude! I don't know why, but I thought that was just so funny. And also, how do you deny him? Because... <laughs> like, I would just be like, yo, you could just have it back. And I'm not, I'm not like a lawful good type person. But like, but if like, the king of dragons contacts you? I would just be like, yeah, bro, you don't worry about it, you can just have it back. <laughs> I'm over here like indignant like how dare this motherfucker <laughs> and I'm just like sure whatever man um, so in addition any form of arrogance or flippancy will draw his ire um, so <laughs> right like he can just act that way but he's gonna get mad at you if you try to haggle with him <laughs> oh uh, continuing on with the theme of Bahamut in this being kind of a goody two shoes uh, Bahamut and his court will only raise the dead if necessary in their crusade against evil, and only if the target was a person who died in the fight against evil. Quote, Bahamut does not raise thieves, assassins, evils, opportunists, or fools. <laughs> Which is I don't, fucking judgmental, I don't, man. I don't know why that's so funny to me. Um, the fools is what got me. Right. Yeah. Also, opportunists kind of a little... Judgmental, like the thieves and the assassins and the evils, I get because he's sure. all lawful good. But mm-hmm. what's wrong with opportunists? Uh, but uh, <laughs> did, uh, I mean, fools are just fools. But yeah, but that 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 at that point is just for the the benefit of like his effort. Like it's like this idiot's not going to help me out anyway. So whatever, they can just be dead. Um, but uh, interestingly, we will see that kind of change and evolve a little bit for Bahamut. His hmm. his very strong hall monitor tendencies. Um, it's noted that Bahamut is on good terms with all lawful good gods, as well as most of the other good ones, and that alienating him can cause your good cleric to lose their spellcasting ability 75% of the time. Oh, oh my, my god. god. <laughs> so, like, even if you're not a cleric of Bahamut, you know, if you piss him off, he'll just call, like, Paylor or whomever and be like, hey... He, this guy's in trouble. We're not talking to him for a little while. <laughs> Revoke your, <laughs> your spell. You get your magic taken away for like a week. It's like being in suspension. I mean, you're grounded. <laughs> <laughs> you're in like ISD and you just don't have any magic. Oh my god. god so <laughs> Bahamut is also mentioned in the supplement Manual of the Plains, which was published in 1987. In the chapters related to the plane of air, as well as the seven heavens, both of which are places his palace is purported to exist on, uh, because shrouded in mystery. Yep. Um, in the plane of air chapter, it stated that travelers would rarely see a domed inspired castle made of glass and gypsum, but these sightings were very rare and no one ever visited the citadel and left to tell the tale. What that means, I don't uh, know. <laughs> I don't know if that means they died. I don't know if they mean if it means they thought it was so chill that they were just like, "Hey, I'm just gonna hang out with Bahamut and his seven golden pals forever, forever." Which, like, same. I would probably do that. <laughs> or like, uh, he wouldn't kill you, but he would be like, "You can't leave now." Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna kill you. But I'm not like, a monster, but like. You can't. I can't let you leave and tell people about my sick pad. So it was said that Bahamut sat on a throne made of yellow diamonds, where he and his nine, not seven. I don't know why he has nine here. <laughs> That's what happened to the few that entered the citadel. 
Oh no. <laughs> they got turned into his golden dragons. I mean, sick. Cool, right? Like, I'll go break into Bahamut's house if he's going to turn me into a golden dragon. <clears throat> um, but this is literally the only time we see nine of them. Every other time, it's seven. I don't know what the what the deal is. So, um, he and his, his golden archons hold court with all the emissaries of various good dragons, including eastern dragons, which is fucking cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. Like, cool. Bahamut just, like, chilling with all the, the, the wyverns and the lungs and stuff. Like, hell yeah. Yeah. Well, claim is also made that the monadic devos, who are uh, forces of good in the plane of air, hey. uh, exist there only by Bahamut's will. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that means he invited them there or or what. I don't know what the T is. Um, and this claim is also relatively unsubstantiated. So take that how you will. Yeah. Hmm. So I mean, on for whatever. You know, through whatever I mean, kind of interaction they've had. Surprise me that Bahamut would talk to Davos. I mean, yeah, lawful so good. They're yeah, they're on good terms, which makes sense. But it's like I don't know what they're trying to imply there. And also, the whole claims about the sightings of his palace and everything uh, are somewhat unsubstantiated because even the most powerful ancient guides that exist in the plane of air deny that Bahamut lives there. So literally, like you could ask like some of the Davos or whatever, and they'd be like. We don't know who that is. Bahamut doesn't live here. What are you talking about? Hmm. Which is like, I don't... <laughs> this is... I'm getting suspicious. Right. Um, and in the Seven Heavens chapter, Bahamut, who is referred to as Draco Paladin for the first time, <laughs> which as one of his titles is like, okay. just hammering at home. Um, yeah, yeah. So right. <laughs> Bahamut is said to have taken up residence in the first, second, third, and fourth planar layers by various accounts with a particular focus on Mercuria, which is the second layer, uh, known as the Golden Heaven, even though there's a perfectly good Platinum Heaven that he's never seen in. Don't know why. Because that would be too obvious. That would be too too much. Um, However, it's noted to be just as likely that he actually lives on the Plane of Air or the farthest north of the Prime, Um, and this speculates that his palace may be able to exist multiple places simultaneously or be moved at will. So nobody knows where Bahamut actually lives. Yeah, that's I don't what know. I'm learning. And I don't know why he's so cagey about it. <laughs> I I mean, my only thought is it's a defense mechanism at this point. I guess. So, he doesn't want his sister to find him. Yeah, so his sister can't find him and be like, what's up, bro? Nice place. Tears it down. <laughs> be a shame oh, if something happened, happened to it. it. <laughs> oh, man. You're, you're actually, you know, you know, you're not wrong. So we're going to move into Advanced Dungeons and Dragons 2nd Edition. So sort of on the tail end of that is when we start seeing a lot. <laughs> tail end. Tail end. Because <laughs> he's a dragon. Because yes. he's a dragon. Uh, on the tail end of that is where we kind of start to see Bahamut more consistently being described and presented as a deity. Um, so Bahamut is described in the Forgotten Realm supplement Draconomicon, the first Draconomicon, which was published in 1990 as a somewhat mysterious figure. Somewhat. Um, See this. This is this is where like the the accounts are kind of mixed here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it states that if the legends are to be believed, he has existed since the first day that dragons appeared on Toril. So, so don't know if he came from his father's desiccated corpse. Don't know if I don't don't know what the T is there. Um, but he's been there since day one. Apparently, um, it also questions whether or not Bahamut is an actual deity, an avatar of another deity. Don't know who, or simply a powerful mortal dragon that has drawn the worship of others. So 
this is going the angle of like, this is a big dragon. We don't know what his deal is, which feels weird. Does that, definitely feel weird. Well, it feels weird that it this was coming after a lot of the material in like later Advanced Dungeons and Dragons was leaning very firmly towards like he's this a is, deity. he's a deity. Yeah, yeah, that we firmly know somewhat of an origin story on. Yeah, but I mean, this was a particular like realms material, um, so I don't know. I mean, it could be possible that they just changed it. Yeah, because it's a particular. Yeah, like, maybe this is the Forgotten Realms. Yeah, origins, origins. Rather maybe Ed than... Greenwood doesn't like Bahamut. Maybe. Mm-hmm. So the only other interesting things here of note are that he has again seven golden archons instead of nine, and also there's speculation that they may be the spirits of the dead kings of justice. I don't know who those are. I'm I forgot to look it up. I'm sorry, <laughs> but okay. they they might be something else besides just. Seven powerful dragons. Um, and also that his disintegrating breath weapon is so powerful that it permanently deafens all targets within range, even if they pass their saving throws oh. against the actual disintegration. Oh my. And can temporarily deafen creatures within 100 yards because fuck you. Jesus. Like, the, the permanent, the permanent, like, disabling is of, of characters and stuff in, like, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, like, first and second edition is crazy. Yeah, and it also always surprises me. Right? Because, like, or, like, the whole thing with, like, the Thrask, where it was, like, if it rolls, like, an 18 or above, it just cuts off a limb. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, that's a whole thing. Like, that would be a whole thing for your character to lose their arm or to be permanently deafened. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. So, just a... A uh, quick look up here. Of the Kings of Justice? Yeah, apparently the King of Justice, or it could be the Queen of Justice, mm-hmm. was a title used by the ruler of Gold Dragon Society. Mm. The title was created because the Gold Dragons, which were, you know, the lawful yeah. dragon species, felt the necessity to create the most orderly of societies. Mm-hmm. They were usually the oldest and most powerful gold dragon of a given region. Okay, there you go. So not a like particular group, just people that have held this title. Yeah, yeah. got it. Okay, that, I mean that makes sense. Also, Bahamut is three hundred and sixty feet long. <laughs> Damn, one hundred and eighty foot long body, one hundred and eighty foot long tail. So Damn. that's a long tail long end boy. that we're working with here. Long boy. At least he's symmetrical. Yeah, one hundred and eighty on both ends. I mean that's not <laughs> that's not that's not symmetry exactly, but. I mean, I I'm sure he. I'm. I'm assuming he's symmetrical too, though, because like he's a god, he's probably perfect. Yeah, yes, I was gonna exactly. say. I assume that he's also just symmetrical, just by being a god. But yeah, I mean, you never know. Gods uh, do have that weird. Sometimes, yeah. Tiamat's not symmetrical. Yeah, exactly. So Bahamut appears in Monster Mythology, which was published in 1992, as a lesser deity. He's a deity again. And there isn't much to note here except that he is now 500 feet long. Oh, my God. With a 280-foot-long body and 220-foot-long tail. Oh, my God. He got bigger. What he's the hell? a big boy. Oh. And then he's described as, quote, by draconic standards, end quote, to not be greedy or vain, which tells me that he's probably about as greedy or vain as, like, a somewhat vain person. <laughs> yeah. Like, the baseline for humans is, like, here, and then the, oh, hands, like if if a if a normal human is like a fifty, a normal dragon is like a two hundred. Yeah, and Bahamut's like a one hundred. Yeah, <laughs> you he know, just rests in between. 
So, like, for by dragon standards, he's a saint, but by human standards, it's like, well, he's, he's still pretty normal. He still, like, you know, really cheated me on that, like, you know, sword that we needed to kill that Lich King. So, you know, still not, still not great. Still not great, but you know, whatever. He bought it back from me for half, so whatever. Uh, also of note is that he's described as arguing against evil with the true neutral Io. And I say that this is noteworthy because I feel like it is very rare to see Io and Bahamut slash Tiamat together. Right. While the latter are adults slash gods. Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of the time you get stories about them when they were younger, and yeah. then Io died, and then that was that. Yeah, so. and then... Yeah, they're just no longer, like, existing at the same time. Yeah, so we have the Platinum Dragon and the Ninefold Dragon existing together, which I think is interesting. No, I agree. Because I feel, and I feel like a lot of the story of Bahamut and Tiamat and their hatred for each other, a lot of the time it is rooted kind of in their... Sibling rivalry. Their sibling rivalry and also kind of their shared issues with Io dying. Yeah. Often. Um, I thought that was interesting. Um, and also because no mention is made in this book about the specifics of their relationship. So we don't know if Io's even his dad. <laughs> right. He yeah. could have come from somewhere else and we just have no clue. Yeah, because shrouded mystery. Yeah. Um, this is also <laughs> the first appearance of a deity symbol of uh, Bahamut, which is the polar star above a milky nebula. That's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. So, so the, so Polaris is kind of a. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> Polaris and the Milky Way. Yeah. Well, I'm making a joke about <laughs> astrophotography because we were looking at the stars earlier. Yeah, because that's what, well, me and Taylor have been doing. Pretty much this whole time. Astrophotography. And I'm also awake in the middle of the night, so sometimes I look at the stars. Sure. Um, so in Cult of the Dragon, which was published in 1998, Bahama is given some new titles and had some previously shrouded in mystery details ironed <laughs> out. Uh, he is referred to, in addition to his older titles, as Justice Maker and Lord of the North Wind. Take a shot every time Bahamut gets a new title. Uh, nope. I don't want alcohol poisoning. Same. <laughs> he also gets an additional symbol, which is a reptilian eye uh, superimposed on a square of gold. Um, his palace has been pinned down to Mercuria, and he has domain over good dragons, metallic dragons, wisdom, and enlightened justice. Which what if, pray tell is enlightened justice? Which, if you're like me, you read slash heard those words and rolled your eyes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't enlighten justice. Can you? Uh, can you enlighten me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quote: Justice tempered with mercy and punishment with forgiveness. End quote. So like. So like actually. Like so like being a good. Yeah. So like justice, but maybe he feels a little. Like he feels a little bad about it. He feels. He's bad like about he's not it. a dick about it, and I guess. he forgives them while yeah serving the justice or after justice I, has been served. Sure, we'll we'll go with that. Yeah, I mean, no. it, 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 you, no. you lost me at the word enlightened. <laughs> um, most interestingly, I've though, I've never been enlightened about anything once in my entire life. Right, and I'm not going to start now. Uh, most interestingly, though, are the possible origins described. One is that he is the son of uh, Ta- Tamara. Sorry. Tamara. 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 Tia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who is an intermediate, neutral, good, draconic power of Elysium, who has a portfolio of mercy, light, and forgiveness. And Lendis, who is an intermediate, lawful, good, oh, excuse me, lawful, neutral. That's a typo that I'm fixing right now. <laughs> uh, draconic power of Nirvana. 
with Ooh. a uh, portfolio of balance and justice. So when you put those things together, very Bahamut. Yeah. Um, the other possible origin is that he is the son of Io alongside Tiamat and Null slash Falager, the draconic deity of the dead who is worshipped in two aspects, one of which is evil, who has a portfolio in killing, necromancy, and decay, also known as the Reaver, and one neutral that is considered the shepherd of dragon spirits to the afterlife with a, with a portfolio of the dead, final judgment, exhaustion, and fatalism. He's also... Um, I believe later called the Night Dragon, um, and in some uh, editions, he's worshipped as the god of the Draco Liches. This dude has three different names, not titles. Names. Names. Yeah. Well, I think I think the Night Dragon is a title. But well, Null and Falager, and then called Reaver. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, don't worry about it. I'm he worried. Was, actually, he was he was jealous of all of Bahamut's titles, but yeah. Probably. So that like Hades. that I think is very um, interesting. The idea that they could kind of have this like triumvirate of like yeah. Tiamat, Bahamut, the metallic and the chromatic, and then the you know the dragon lord of the dead is very interesting to me. But do they do they do anything with it? No, they don't. No. Um, Bahamut's role in Planescape. Which I'm mostly mentioning because I can point out a typo. Uh, is discussed in On Hollowed Ground, which was published in 1996, as was I, where he's described as a deity who believes in the sanctity of life and thus won't willingly kill unless he has to. He's described as sharing in selfless, quote, by dragon standards. <laughs> <laughs> and is friendly with all the good aligned deities, and particularly the Seldarine and the Celtic pan- uh, pantheon. Um, his palace again seems to exist in multiple layers of Celestia at once and is filled with the jink junk he has acquired over the years. And is filled with the jink. J-I-N-K. I googled it and the only definite, the only other use of that I could find is kind of like hijinks. So like silliness that you get up to. So, so I think it was a typo. a typo. That has to be a typo. Let me um, clear up some. Uh, as someone who has spent, let's just say, probably a full month of her life in Planescape, mm-hmm. in terms of all of the research I've had to put in over the demons and mm-hmm. devils, basically the infernal and um, celestial celestial stuff, stuff um, it is um, definitely should, a typo because they should have they should have made another, had a lot of typos. They should have made another editing pass. Mm. Yeah, like Planescape is good. This also tells me that Bahamut's a hoarder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, he is a dragon, so like... What dragon is that? Well, yeah, and I think it's funny that it's like described as as junk, though. There's something about that. Excuse me, jank. Jank. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, we're going to take another quick foray back into Dragon Magazine. Okay. Uh, issue number 260, which was published in 1999 in the article Spawn of Tiamat, Children of Bahamut. By Keith Francis Strom, which nice. I believe I literally talked about in the Tiamat episode. I'm pretty sure you did. <laughs> I'm pretty it sure sounds I did. very familiar. So this article gives Bahamut, you guessed it, three children. <laughs> because it's in the title. Um, so we're going to be a little brief here because as far as I can tell, this is the only time they ever appear. <laughs> and one of them isn't even really his kid. So the first is Madrinia, who is a lawful good dragon who serves as representative of Bahamut to aquatic dragons and protects good aligned sea life. Um, She was said to have been born. (laughs) Get ready to roll your eyes. She was ready to have been. Or fuck me. She was 
prepared. She was she she was prepared to be born. She was not breech. Uh, she was she was said to have been born from a tear shed by Bahamut when he first witnessed the fighting between chromatic and metallic oh my dragons. God. Get out of here! Stop it! Like I appreciate how kind of like Greek that is. You yes. know Stop that it's it. like a like a sprung fully forth from Zeus's head kind of thing. Because when I saw like Children of Bahamut and I remember that this was an article, I was like, oh, Bahamut fucks. No, and then it's like no. Bahamut no. cries. Bahamut cries. Bahamut cries. doesn't fuck. Bahamut cries. <laughs> oh. So the next is the neutral good, Zathanon, who is essentially just made up of the essence of the positive energy plane. Um, mm. Zathanon has no corporeal form, and it most often appears as a golden energy in the shape of a dragon with multicolored eyes that look like crystals. Nice. It rarely attends court with Bahamut, pretend, or preferring, excuse me, to either stay in the positive energy plane or patrol the prime, where it can merge its essence with the corporeal form of a good aligned character to transform them into a powerful gold dragon. Sick. What so imagine Bahamut's kid just happens upon you and merges with you and you become a dragon. I what the fuck? I would love that, actually. Can that happen to me? Right. Not not one of the characters I play, but me. <laughs> just, just you. you. Uh, so, so Zathanon came into being when Bahamut shaped uh, Zathanon from the positive energy plane himself. So he just went there and was like, I'm going to make a baby. So mm. he made him out of clay. I, Except instead of clay, it's just energy. Is that considered his kid? I mean, I would... I uh, mean... More so than the next one. I'll tell oh you that. Boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, so the last of Bahamut's children is Vanathor the Golden Harpist. Vanathor, this is the only one who had a title... Vanathor is lawful good and advisor to Bahamut, and when not acting in this capacity, often serves as the bard in Bahamut's court. We got a bard dragon. Hell yeah. Um, It appears as a gold dragon with rainbow-colored scales on its chest. It also often travels the prime disguised as a half-elven bard and can communicate with any creature through song. Unlike the other two, Vanathor is not a creation of Bahamut in any way, but simply showed up to his palace one day... Offering its service. Oh my god. So it's just, this isn't his kid. This is just some person who showed up one day and was like, hey, do you want do you want me to play the harp for you? And he's like, I love this child so much. This is now my child. <laughs> so, that, huh. Yeah. So some believe Vanathor is an ancient dead power that was given new life by Bahamas music. Which is like, that's nice, but that's not his kid. But also- <laughs> Like, it's a nice story. I love it, but- that's not his kid. But on the other side of that, can you imagine how, like, good this power must have been for Bahamut to look at it and be like, yes, I... You are mine now. You are my child. You're so good at playing the harp. I have adopted you. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, there must have been some very strong, good vibes coming off of that power, because... Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Damn. Yeah. So, like... You know what? Bards talk about how sometimes they insult so- a goblin so bad the goblin explodes. But <laughs> imagine playing the harp so good a god just decides to adopt you. Dang. You have been adopted by a god. Congratulations. Which I like, and it, it, like I said, this is very nice. But that's not Bahamas' <laughs> kid. I'm so, man. Adoption was- matters. Adoption does matter. Oh, fuck, you're right. I mean, okay, that's just the, that's not the vibe that was given off. I know. This I'm, just, I'm twisting it so much. <laughs> Damn it. 
just a rant. <laughs> that's like a random kid knocking on your door and being like, will you be my mom? Excuse me? Um, I don't know. How except, good do you play the harp? <laughs> except this is like a 25-year-old street musician, I think. That's the vibe I got. You know what? Yeah. Same question. I don't know. How good do you play the harp? You must play this harp and oh, let me judge you. Okay. Audition for the role of my chi- as my child. Oh, man. <laughs> I like it. This is the only way I want to have children. I'm just kind of disappointed that this doesn't support that Bahamut fucks. <laughs> I'm sorry that Bahamut doesn't fuck. He's he might. He's a paladin. He might. We'll find out oh. later. No. Oh. So just so everyone knows, I'm a fool. Um, I I thought I could condense this into one episode. Um, it does not appear like I'm going to, but I think we do have enough time to get to a good stopping point. A good stopping point that might might imply that Bahamut fucks. So, Oh, well, that's important. So um, we, we need to clarify that before the end of the episode. Yes. Yeah, so by third edition, uh, Bahamut is very firmly and primarily portrayed as a deity. Right. Um, he first appears... Good. Yeah, right. <laughs> where, which Finally. is rightfully where he belongs. Uh, he first appears in the Manual of the Plains, which was published in 2001, so the next Manual of the Plains. So many of these books have the same name. Um, with most of the emphasis being on his place in Celestia. So, again, they have him pretty firmly rooted in Celestia. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, that's a pretty lawful good place. Yeah, very, very much so. Um, in the stat block given, however, notable things beyond the evolution of systems and numbers in Dungeons and Dragons, which is to say this is third edition, so big numbers, uh, include that his disintegrating breath weapon is now a five foot by five foot, like, tall and wide, um, 160 foot long blue ray, not a roar, um, that also leaves a hole in objects. Oh. <laughs> oh, so it's just like a, just like a destructo ray, just. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yep. Um, it's like a Kamehameha wave. What yeah, but that it it isn't it doesn't deafen people anymore. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's good, <laughs> which is good. Um, he also has a frightful presence, as does everybody in third edition. Um, that does not affect any of the good dragons or Tiamat. And likewise, <laughs> Tiamat's like, I'm ain't scared of you. You're my fucking brother. I'll kill Eat you. Shit. Calm the hell down. Uh, when likewise, Tiamat has one that does not affect chromatic dragons or Bahamut. <laughs> so I thought that was a nice detail. Um, and he also has the ability to cast spells as a level 20 sorcerer and level 20 cleric in the good and wind domains. And all of his spells require only a verbal component. Fuck you. Jesus. Fuck you, man. Right? <laughs> Um, so his palace is further described as being literally made of his treasure hoard, or like his palace being his treasure hoard. Right. Um, the walls and windows are gemstones laid in silver and gold, and the floors are made of mithril. Within his lair are his seven attending worms, as well as the bones of various attempted thieves. <laughs> so apparently Bob is not above murder if you try to steal from him. <laughs> Do hey, not yeah, try no. to steal from Bahamut. Yeah, that, that's fair. And he just leaves the bones like, yeah. I mean, It's in, a warning. I mean, in his defense, maybe he didn't kill them. Maybe he just locked the door and let them die. I don't know. He, I feel he, like forget, would... he forgets that, that's what human, that humans need food. Right? Because, I mean, he's a god. He doesn't need to eat. Opens up the door every time he's like, god damn it. I forgot again. I damn forgot it, to I'm feed s- the pets. Oh, I, I was, was going to let him out. I'm sorry. My bad, my it bad. It was only like 300 years. Are you kidding me? They can't last that long? My God. Argala, I'm sorry. I, I know I said I would let him out. 
I mean, also at the point that the that his attending uh, other gold dragons are at, they probably don't need to eat either. Probably. Or maybe they just eat, like, gemstones. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know how dragons work. <laughs> that's not true. That's actually not true at all. But, um... um Evidence that he fucks. It, it's coming! Um, so the palace moves up and down the first four layers of Celestia by way of a whirlwind. So it's confirmed that it... It... He just moves it around. It just shifts between the different levels. Okay. Yeah, finally, which I don't know why they're so cagey about it. but Because they want to make it all ooh, mysterious. Ooh. I think it's pretty mysterious that a, a dragon king pilots his palace made of gold and gemstones around with and a whirlwind. Mithril. And mithril. With a whirlwind in heaven. That's pretty, just, that's, that's enough. I'm just saying. True. Probably. Um, so he and his worship specifically are detailed further in Deities and Demigods, which was published in 2002. Yeah. Um, he's described as a long, sinuous dragon with sparkling silver-white scales and cat-like eyes in shades of blue. Apparently sages argue about the color of Bahamut's eyes. <laughs> you know, fair enough. Which is pretty, like, you know, this kind of, um, a little horny. It is I a little like. horny. Just, just saying. Like, I get it. You love your god, but... Mm. Um, so despite his strong opposition to evil, he is also deeply compassionate and prefers to help indirectly, letting others fight their own battles unless Tiamat is directly involved. Oh, that that's his excuse for why he doesn't help out? Yeah. Because he's so compassionate? Yep. Unless it's Tiamat, in which case... <laughs> he's like, fuck her. Fuck my sister. I have to... Let's go. Let's go. I have to I have to do something about so this. So if you're going to piss somebody off and you need Bahamut's help, make it Tiamat. Right? <laughs> God. Uh, his clergy, which can be neutral good or lawful good, are few and temples are even fewer. Uh, his clerics strive to constantly be doing work subtly for the cause of good. He's revered in particular by gold, silver, and brass dragons, who usually have some sort of shrine to Bahamut in their lairs, even if they don't specifically worship him. Uh, Harkening back to his incarnation in the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons Monster Manual, he often travels the Prime disguised as an old man or callow youth. Not much expansion on that particular disguise. I think he prefers the old man with the canaries. And his golden archons travel with him disguised as travelers or animals, particularly canaries. canaries. Um, His wanderings have also inspired many bardic tales, like the Tale of the Sage, who they were then attacked by, like, orcs or whatever. Uh, ogres, I think it actually was. Um, so there's a lot of tales about Bahamut wandering the prime in the guise of a mortal. Um, some of his appearances in 3.5 materials are reprinted from the aforementioned 3rd edition books, as is common between 3rd edition and 3.5. Yeah. Right. But both Complete Divine, which was published in 2004, and Races of the Dragon, which was published in 2006, have some interesting nuggets. Platinum nuggets. Platinum nuggets. Them platinum nugs. <laughs> yep. Uh, so the latter focuses on the Dragonborn, who, as a third edition, if you'll remember from my Dragonborn episode, it's all coming together. Finally. Guys. Hey, when it, when's Elves Part 2? Shh, what? <laughs> elves aren't dragons, uh, who, as a third edition, were all former humanoids who were reborn as children of Bahamut to serve the cause of lawful good. That was the original origin story of the Dragonborn. Uh, so Bahamut's first child was a human named Marlo Rodan who spent his teenage years traveling as a bard. Uh, one year when returning to his village to regale them tales of his travel, uh, he discovered it burnt and destroyed in an attack by the spawn of Tiamat. Remember, Bahamut gets children, Tiamat gets spawn. Yes. Of course. <laughs> well, that's how you know that she's evil. Right. How else would you know she's evil? 
Uh, heartbroken and thirsty for vengeance, he prayed for any chance to have his revenge, uncaring if he lived or died. Uh, Bahamut was so moved that he cried and made another kid. No, uh, mm-hmm. Bahamut was so moved that he came down to Marlowe and offered him the chance to be reborn and serve him in opposition to Tiamat, thus the first dragonborn. Nice. Yep. Good for good for good Marlowe and vengeance. And Classical being a dragon person. Everybody wants to be a dragon. Great. Good for him. Uh, so temples to Bahamut uh, in these two supplemental materials are rare and often uh, set up in current or former dragon layers. Uh, they are simple in design with clean lines and not much embellishment or defenses. As when most of your fellow worshippers are dragons, you don't really need yeah. much in the yeah. way of defense. Like That's, that's yeah. true. Um, they also emphasize having usable spaces to have meetings, worship, and rest. He's a, practi- he's a practical god. Um, prayers of Bahamut's clergy are often just simple proverbs, and they emphasize actions taken on behalf of their cause and beliefs as a form of prayer. Okay. Which is like, cool. Yeah. Actions speak louder than words, I guess. I, I, I like that in a, in a religion. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like simple, easy-to-remember prayers and places where I can take a nap. So, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> So the uh, the juiciest nugget um, that we're going to finish off on today, um, because in in a very un Bahamut like way, I have I have let my hubris take over me and thinking I can fit all this into one episode. So what we're going to end off today is from a description of a relic that is from I believe one of these one of these books. I believe it is from Complete Divine. Um, this section is kind of a hodgepodge of the two, but. This relic is known as the Platinum Helm, which, you know, with relics, it's like there's a lot of stipulations. Have to worship Bahamut, have to be this level and this, blah, blah, blah. But the Platinum Helms were originally given to seven gold dragons who were Bahamut's consorts. Not court, not attendants, not exarchs. Consorts Consorts. was the specific word used. Oh, my. We finally have it. Seven. That's more than Tiamat had. Tiamat had five. He had to be more than his sister. So apparently he, apparently. to be fair, Tiamat had five that kind of. Five regular ones. Yeah. (laughs) And a whole bunch of other ones. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Some of which weren't dragons. Yeah. But anyway. yeah, so in this, they're referred to as his consorts, which probably maybe has an alternate meaning that but is, is like a like a pure so? like pure. But I read that and I said consorts. It's in it's in italics in my notes. Consorts. Consorts. <laughs> I so, would put it all caps, bold, like hmm. Hey, I'm trying to keep it classy over here. No. Are we, though? We're talking about whether Flash- or not he boned down. <laughs> Flashes back to me saying, does Bahamut fuck? I'm trying to keep it classy. So that's where we're going to end off today. Was um, that Bahamut had concert? As apparently in 3.5, they were having orgies in that palace. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, you know, make of that what you will. Um, I'm going to be like a 12-year-old about it. <laughs> so... I will say the technical definition of a consort is a wife, husband, or companion, in particular the spouse of a reigning monarch. Yeah. Yeah, that says... So that does still kind of follow that line of thought. Yeah. Because I know that in a lot of, um, like, real-world areas, consorts can either mean multiple, like, spouses or also, like... Like a harem. Yeah, a harem, like... um, Or like a mistress. 
Yeah, like official mistresses who are able who like to- who have like political. I almost said clout, and then I realized that that like word has been tainted by the internet. But like literally political clout. Yeah, and like are allowed to like, give birth to legitimate heirs. Yeah, and like do stuff. Yeah. So yeah, um, I guess Bahamut has more consorts than his sister does. Nice. So. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. It only took you like twenty something years of material, but you finally fucked. So, so uh, that's what we're going to end off today. <laughs> thank you for listening to this part one. And uh, thank you, Taylor and Travis, for putting up with my hubris. Of course, always. Uh, re- I mean, again, do you not remember the time I tried to convince myself that I could convince demons down to one episode? Yeah, that wasn't even that long ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you all for listening. And also, thank you so much for your patience and understanding in this really difficult and I, I hate this phrase, but all- uncertain time. For it us, while well, we adjust to this new norm, no. shut the. F- <laughs> no, um, sorry. No, uh, it, it's been really uncertain for us, and uh, that is mainly why we have not like given you guys a hard and fast. We're gonna be back at this time because we just didn't know when the next yeah time we were going to be able to meet was. Mm-hmm. It was so up in the air for us. Yeah, and yeah. like we def like we were one hundred percent like going to be doing this last week. And then we had bad weather. Yeah, then yeah. we had a fucking ice storm that knocked out power to, like, 90% of Oklahoma. Yeah, and unfortunately, I cannot record this without power because my laptop can only um, handle so much. so much time. And um, our episodes tend to be longer than that. Yeah, yeah running audition uh, and everything. I don't think it would last that long. No. Yeah. So it's a, it's been a time, but we uh, we appreciate your patience and also, like, knock on wood... That like, that was it. Like I that mean, whole that was like yeah. it. You know that I, whole break of ours. Yeah. Like this isn't a. We know. also have more like um, what's the word? Um, safety nets and stuff in place and yeah. So like, like yeah. So this is all we like. This is behind us now. Yeah, this isn't one that we're just kind of throwing in here and being like have it. Like we're we sh- we should be back, baby. Yeah. yeah. But um. While we're talking, I don't think we have an ad break in this episode. Nope. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much for your continued support. Thank you. You can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. At Dungeonpedia. Um, um, you can email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com to criticize me for my hubris in thinking that I could do this in one episode. And because we're back, feel free to give us more suggestions yes uh we are aware that we have some suggestions in our email that have not been responded to trust me that's gonna happen and again it's been nuts yeah and we're gonna get back to you about it as well yeah so we will get back to you on it we'll see it all don't worry if you have any more just send them in like a flood of suggestions i'm cool with that yeah yeah and if you haven't been responded to and you just kind of want to like check and see that we've gotten it feel free like feel free to shoot us another email and ask mm-hmm. about it it does not bother us honestly if you haven't received an email yet you might actually receive it before we publish this episode yeah because we're kind of just going through and catching up on everything or yeah. you know you can go put us on blast on twitter and say that we're mean bad people please don't do that because <laughs> i'm i, I don't i don't want to hurt you and we're sensitive. Uh, it, to, to know that i have hurt you is bad yes but Thank you, everyone, once again, for listening and for the first time in a while. We will catch you next week. Next week! week. Ah, It feels so good. Right here on 
Dungeonpedia. Feels good. Feels organic. I, 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 I missed you guys. I know. You live with Travis. Shut up. <laughs> Not to-